Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. And here we go. Once again, that's the sound of rock cracking. You've got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. Now, this week's show, we have an example of some fine authorship and interesting subjects because this is, you may not know it this week, actually Monday of this week is the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. The concentration camp in Auschwitz, Poland, where so many Jews were uh, murdered and gassed and then cremated. And the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp was one that was designed, the Nazis designed it, engineered it to mass murder and cremate so they could do it faster and faster in trying to get rid of all the Jews of Europe. It's a devastating thought. It happened. So many people in today's world, so many young people read the word Holocaust. They don't understand the true meaning and the devils who put together the the entire operation. And one of those devils was named Hans Kamler, Kamler, and he was a general, a Nazi general. And today's show, we have the author of a book called the hidden nazi the untold story of america's deal with the devil is written by dean Reuter, and dean is on the phone we're going to talk to him here in just a couple minutes but i just want you to tell your friends and neighbors about this show especially the young people that what happened at auschwitz is not some fictional tale it happened it happened and many people alive today were were uh, traumatized in part. So many of the young children who were in that Auschwitz camp still survive today. And even some could be some guards and others that were a part of this miserable, hellish, devil-inspired uh, happening called the Holocaust. And the worst place was Auschwitz, the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And we're going to get Dean Reuter on and let him talk about his book. And then at the end of this show, I told you last week, we'll be talking some about what's going on in the United States Senate. Impeachment of Donald J. Trump by the House has thrown the Senate into a trial mode. And I'll have some comments on that at the end of the show Right now, let's get Dean Walter on the phone. And as we're getting Dean on the phone, let me remind you, we got a link to this book on the page, on our website uh, page of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. Check out his book. I think it's a fascinating book. You're going to want to order that and read about it. 
and this is something that uh, nobody's really written about Hans Kammler and his expertise in death and killing people and mass murder and not only that why did America make a deal with this devil and we don't know what really happened to him or do we that's why we got Dean right now on the phone Dean you've got a new book out and it's called The Hidden Nazi The Untold Story of America's Deal with the Devil I mean that's a whole lot in a title and it and it touches on so many emotions and history. First, I want to know why did you decide to write this book? Well, that's a great question, Doc. I I decided to write this book when a friend of mine came to me. I'm uh, my by profession a lawyer, and a friend of mine who I've known for thirty years came to me to write a collaboration agreement for him uh, to share information with another researcher. My friend was researching World War II and came across this unbelievably powerful, unbelievably evil Nazi SS general, Hans Kammler. Uh, he also came across another researcher in Northern Ireland who had stumbled upon the same general, uh, and they wanted to be able to share their information together. So I uh, drafted this agreement so they could do that. And then uh, my friend, Keith Chester, started telling me in the background about this general, just how bad he was, how powerful he was, what a role he played in building Auschwitz, uh, in building Germany's secret weapons, um, and then escaping justice. And I thought this is, I was extremely skeptical, but uh, they started giving me more and more information, and I started researching it myself. And uh, I went from skeptic to the principal author of the book that, that lays this all out, The Hidden Nazi. Well, Dean, uh, to me, that's, I can see, is a powerful story that drew you in, and that's why I wanted you to explain that to me and our listeners. One of the things about this book, all my life I've heard, yep, yeah, there, you know, at the end of World War Two, that uh, there's some. Germans got away, Nazi leaders that got away, and in some, the American government helped, and that was all rumor and hearsay, and you never could find hard proof. So the story about the general, that uh, Hans Kammler, now he's one that was, has he ever been found? Or, you know, I think he's supposed so, to have died. So, I mean, how? what do we know, or how do we know about him? He supposedly committed suicide in a German court uh, judged him dead at, in 1945 uh, by suicide. But uh, we can prove he didn't commit suicide. He surrendered to the U.S. Army and that we had him in custody for about a year at least. And then the paper trail really does run dry. So uh, the question becomes, uh, and we lay this all out in, in The Hidden Nazi, the question becomes why would America accept his surrender and then help him escape justice? Um, and it's because by the end of the war, he was in charge of all this Germany's technology. And, and what happened is, and we prove this in our book, uh, he made a deal with the Americans to deliver the technology, including the, the rockets, Germany's famous vengeance weapons, the V-1 and V-2 rockets. Right. He delivered all that technology and the rocket team to the United States, and it gave us a, a big head start in the Cold War with the Soviet Union. So that's why we did the deal. That's why we, the Americans, uh, helped cover up his uh, fake suicide. Well, I, I want, there's a lot of questions I want to ask yeah. about that, but let's go back in, in before World War II, and do we know much about uh, Kamler and where he was in the Nazi party? Was he a military man that got pulled in the Nazi party, or is he one of the Nazis that uh, was Hitler to begin with? Do we know much about him before the war? 
Yes, we do. Uh, we, we did a lot of research in that, and, and we lay it out in The Hidden Nazi. He was born in 1901. Uh, by training, he was an architect and an engineer. He was a very early adherent to the Nazi party. Uh, he was an ideologue. He was not just a follower. He was a leader. He was a member of the Nazi party before Hitler became the chancellor of Germany. He was a member of the SS, the Schutzstaffel, the dreaded SS. He was a member of the SS before Hitler became president of Germany. Uh, so he was in on the ground floor, and he was a true believer. Uh, in fact, uh, when it came time to implement the Holocaust, it was Hans Kammler, uh, the, uh, the engineer and the architect, who picked Auschwitz as the site for the major killing camp. It was him who uh, designed the, what became the standard barracks and what became the gas chambers and the ovens. And then he reproduced that work at other camps, so not just Auschwitz. Uh, so he literally made the Holocaust possible with his engineering. And he became famous, uh, Doc, for his efficient way of doing things. He made sure that the, the sick people that were going to be gassed uh, that those facilities were very close to where trains departed. And the people who were beginning to kept as slaves, they were a mile away. They were the ones who had the ability to walk. Um, and the folks who were being gassed were being gassed in, in a basement gas chamber that had an elevator to the floor above it where there were uh, the ovens. Uh, so you, you had to transport dead bodies, millions of dead bodies, over minimal distances. It was that sort of evil thinking and efficiency that distinguished this guy that we ended up making a deal with and and that's what just astounds me the fact that and, and i've done some study over time and the, the efficiency and especially i mean that we know there was dachau there was other concentration camps but auschwitz was purposely designed for mass ex executions and, and that's what you're telling us that that's exactly right. He, 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 we, we lay this all out in the Hidden Nazi. He actually toured other places, the front lines, uh, other places where there was systemized killing with bullets and hangings and uh, carbon monoxide gassing. He studied uh, industrialized death, and then he perfected it. He took what he thought were the best methods uh, and implemented them in Auschwitz and then at, uh, at Lublin, Majdanek, um, at other camps throughout the Reich. Now, one of the things you may not know this in your research, and before World War II started, and the Nazis, when they started, wanted to exterminate the uh, mentally mentally challenged people, yeah. uh, and they started that. And then sometimes they did what I learned from mobile gas, you know, gas uh, trucks. They'd put them in trucks with mo uh, carbon monoxide and kill them. Uh, was he in that early stages, or did he come in after? Uh, uh, um, you know? he, he, he was not in those earliest stages, but when I mentioned he was touring around to see the different methods of, right. of killing that uh, Germany had conducted, he was looking at those gassing trucks uh, that were really basically box trucks. They'd run the, they'd run the exhaust into the, uh, the box truck, they'd fill it with people, and they'd just let the, the truck mm -hmm. run uh, until people were killed. Um, he, the, these were Einsatzgruppen, was the name of these groups following the Germans in the front lines as they moved east that were rounding up citizens, men, women, children, and killing mm -hmm. them, uh, trying to exterminate a race. Uh, and they did it with they did it that way. They did it with uh, individual killings, uh, shooting, and, and hanging. Uh, but they found that the Einsatzgruppen troops, uh, this began to wear on them, and that's why they uh, began using the camps and the gas chambers uh, wow. to do the mass killing. 
because it, they knew it's so wrong. The soldiers are troops, that, and they saw it would be more efficient to get to the concentration camps and set it up like that. That's right, that, and it was it was Kamler's evil genius that that led to those developments. Um, you know, the other methods of killing were still used, but they wouldn't be sufficient enough for for the Nazi regime. So you're saying that he was an engineer, architect, a mindset, and now what gets me is how he. Perf- you know, I don't like to use the word perfected, but he, he uh, mainstreamed this mass killing. Yep. And yet at the same time, he was overseeing the uh, the uh, rocket development of uh, Werner von Braun. Is that right? I mean, how did he, how could somebody, it seems like it's two totally different fields, uh, science and rockets, and then uh, killing people. So it, it, it does, and it does reflect, I agree with you, and it does reflect the two different aspects of, of World War II, the war itself and the Holocaust. Those are sort of two distinct things. But he ended up just accumulating more and more power and bringing things under his wing, including these secret weapons. So as soon as there was a successful test of the V-2 rocket, which was an unbelievably advanced liquid-fueled rocket that would fly 3,600 miles an hour, 55 miles into the air, um, uh, way ahead of its time. As soon as it had a successful test, Hans Kammler and uh, Heinrich Himmler took that project over and made it their own. And then they took it from there. And it was control of that rocket team, a few hundred rocket scientists. He was able to bargain with the Americans to deliver those rocket scientists at the end of the war and try and save his life. And that's why we see the fake suicide. So now that brings me into some of the questions I wanted to ask. Uh, sure. When, when you... Toward the end of the war, we know the V-1, V-2 rockets, uh, they were successful in scaring. I mean, you know, of course, they caused damage in London where they didn't have the accuracy. But, I mean, it was you, you were thinking, wow, they're doing this, you know. If, and, of course, if they could have developed an atomic bomb. I mean, it's just scary how close that uh, some of these scientists were worked with the Nazi regime and, and see what they were trying to do. So at the end of the war, now, Kamler must have, I mean, he was a smart guy, so he was seeing the Germans were losing and going to lose. So, I mean, did he make contact with uh, the Allies, or how did they contact? He did. So in in, in The Hidden Nazi in the book, we talk about how Kamler's emissaries met not just with American government officials, but with General Electric in Lisbon, Portugal, uh, mm-hmm. which was which was neutral territory, mm-hmm. at the embassy in Lisbon, Portugal. Okay. And it's interesting that he was meeting with GE because what you see is in one month the American government has a contract uh, awards a contract to build missiles to General Electric. Wow. The very the very next month, Kamler's people are meeting with Americans and General Electric in Lisbon, Portugal. The very month after that, he's moved the rocket team away from the Soviet Union uh, into central Germany and then down to Bavaria, literally hand-delivering them to the Americans. So so the, the rocket team was closer to Russia... But he realized what needed to be done uh, losing the war. He, he purposely moved the rocket uh, facilities, yep. the German rocket facilities, closer in the, like Bavaria. That's right. That's right. There was one stop in central Germany, and then he learned that the Soviets were going to control that part of Germany. So he moved them a second time, uh, signing the orders to move these people. And this was a dock. It's late in the war. It's very hard to move right. hundreds of people at a time. But he did this, and that second movement of the rocket team was on his personal train, the Vengeance Express, uh, which is sort of 
a bit of poetry, given these right. were called the vengeance weapons. Yeah, wow. I mean, that your your book has got a. I have not read it. I, I'm fascinated by it. I can't wait to read the book. There at the end of the war, when these uh, they were negotiating, like you said, with GE Lisbon. How? I mean, how do you suspect? I don't that that uh, he came into uh, American control, or or do you know how that happened? Well, so we know we have the surrender uh, documents that that show that Hans Kammler surrendered to the U.S. Army in May 1945, and that we had him in custody. We were interrogating him in Austria about hidden funds. We were interrogating him in central Germany about trying to find where other members of the rocket team were. Uh, we even have a suggestion, not proof, but really a suggestion that he was being interrogated by the Nuremberg prosecutors about five months after the end of the war on the eve of the Nuremberg trials. Uh, and then there's an extradition request in 1946. The Britons want Hans Kammler, so they send us an extradition request. There's a response to that saying, we really don't have any objection. And then the paper trail really just runs dry. It disappears. But we did, you know, our research uh, for the hidden Nazi for the book, it, it comes from all over Europe and all over the United States. Uh, we did find two documents that the government wouldn't release to us, uh, one from 1969, one from 1987, Doc. Uh, they concern Hans Kammler, and they wouldn't release the documents to us. Wow. And that's why, you know, there was a movie that came out uh, a year or two ago about Adolf Eichmann, uh, yeah. Operation Finale, and... and his role in the Holocaust, and of course he was found in South America, where a lot of the Nazis, Germans, uh, went to. And so, but in this case, we have no idea where uh, General um, Kamler went to. Is that correct, or do you have well, ideas? Well, I will say or we don't have proof mm. where where he went. And we're very careful in the book to say what we proved and what where we're speculating. At the end of the book, we lay out what we think are the three most likely scenarios for what happened to him. Uh, okay. And we base that in part on what happened to other Nazis we know about, uh, whose stories became public, you know, decades after the end of the war. Right. Um, but it's all there in the book. Well, but I mean... A fascinating book that uh, on so many people's minds, and and the fact that uh, there's people who may have been a part of that, or you think about young soldiers or seeing things happen, and it may still be alive today. I know that's uh, something that it just fascinates my mind. But now I do. Before I go, I got to ask you: Do you think it was uh, worth? I mean, def definitely a devil. Yeah. And and uh, horrible, uh, and, and the fact that he would do, use his engineering skills for uh, trying to to uh, kill so many people, and especially a Jewish, you know, a Jewish people. So, but when you look at the Cold War, America eventually getting man on the moon and beating the Soviet Union, is that worth what the Americans uh, made to deal with the devil to get the rocket scientists and technology? with the Cold War coming up, was that a, a good deal for the United States? Yeah, that's a great question, Doc. And, and I, I raise that question in the book and I, 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 in, the, in The Hidden Nazi, and I talk about how I'm, I'm very reluctant to second-guess the people who made that decision, who made that deal on the American side, because I really do think the geopolitical world today would be different if we hadn't made that deal. That's how we got the rocket team. That's how we not only got to the moon, but that's how we got our ICBM. That's right. how we won the Cold War in a lot of ways. 
uh, with a with a 15-year head start uh, on the Soviets. So um, I, I'm very reluctant to say it was a bad deal. Well, that's what uh, I, I think that gives plenty of people. Everybody needs to read your book, and then they can help come to their own conclusions. But uh, that is a very remarkable story. I appreciate all the research and time you went in to put that together, and I can't wait to read the book. And I know my listeners are going to want to know about that. i got a lot of people love history, and so this is something uh, I know everybody's going to want to find out more about. So thank you for coming on the show. Any, I, I, I hope so, and I thank you, Doc, for having me. I appreciate your time. And that was author Dean Rolter, and his title of his book is The Hidden Nazi, The Untold Story of America's Deal with the Devil. You can get that at Amazon. we got a link to it on our uh, website page, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. It's uh uh, it's something we we can only uh, just imagine. There's a very few people that actually lived it. Very few people actually that are alive today that live and and survived Auschwitz. And that's why we have a lot of firsthand accounts of the people who get, gave details over the years. And that's something that your children need to know about. We need to know about it. Don't let it be left out of history. And that's why we did a show today, and I'm so glad that Dean came on and uh, talked about his book. I'm glad people are willing to dig into the research and history and find out about things like this. Now, let me remind you, listen to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You're listening to us right here on webtalkradio.net. We're glad to have you. This is a special show, and if you got friends who are interested in history, World War II, and especially those who want to know more about the Holocaust. I think this is a great show. Send them the link. Tell them about Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. In just a minute, I'm going to give you a few thoughts about what's going on with the uh, trial of the impeachment of Donald J. Trump. He's been impeached. He's in trial in the Senate. And i got a few things to say. But first, let me remind you, we've got a book ourselves out called Bedrock Truths. I say we because... I wrote the book along with Dr. Alveda King and Dr. Alex McFarland. It's called Bedrock Truths. And again, you can see a picture of that on our website, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. Click on that and you can take you right where you can order the book. We'll be glad to get that out for you. Now, one thing that I do want to say is as we've kicked off this year, it has been just a, a January no one really imagined with everything from the stock market. And now we've got uh, some of the... Uh, a new uh, virus in China that's breaking out, and is that going to affect our world, our economy? A lot of things that are unknown, along with the 2020 presidential election, was the president of the United States has been impeached, and they're having a trial to see rather to kick him out of office. Of course, uh, like I said, I'll have a few things to say about that in just a minute. First, I want you to listen to this. All in all was just a brick in the wall All in all it was all just bricks in the wall Oh, for you young people who may not know what that is, uh, all in all, just another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd, <laughs> an old, 
old album from the 70s, I guess. Another brick in a wall. Well, the Holocaust was not just another brick in a wall. It's a hole in the head of um, humanity. Uh, something that is so startling evil. The fact that it actually happened. And there was a group of people, the Nazis, who went about and their primary goal was to cleanse society by making a society better in their Nazi thinking was to rid the world of the Jews, an entire race of people. And it was it was so close to doing that in Europe. In fact, it disintegrated uh, the, the communities, the Jewish communities, all throughout Europe. And that's one reason why the nation of Israel, probably in shame, the world allowed the Jewish people to come into the Middle East and their homeland from biblical days. And they call it the nation of Israel now. And in the year since it was founded, America has been its ally. And now I would say probably no other president, except for maybe Harry Truman, that actually recognized Israel. But Donald J. Trump has supported the Jewish people and the nation of Israel more than any other United States president backing up a lot of things he said and in a book that uh, you can order on uh, doc holidays dot uh, org same way where you get the bedrock truth book is a book talking about israel updated from people from the jewish and christian community and i got a chapter in that book and i talk about richard nixon and how valuable he was to the nation of israel during the 1972 war and and it's things that uh when you talk about the war powers act now and what president trump can do or any united states president a lot of that has to do with the war powers act that was put into place after the 1972 involvement of the united states in helping supply the uh, nation of israel with uh, uh all kind of military equipment and richard nixon did that as commander-in-chief and the Congress said, hey, that's too much power for the president to have. So therefore, the War Powers Act was initiated. So I'm just showing you how history ties in. Now we are talking about the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. We see the nation of Israel, how it was born after World War II. Some amazing things kept it a nation, helped it grow, and then the United States has been an ally of Israel ever since in the Middle East. The only democracy right there in the Middle East. But we learned from last week's show, if you remember, and if you haven't heard, there's a show from uh, Bill Ganasty, who, and he was talking about how right after the United States recognized Israel in the world, who did next? It was the nation of Turkey, an Islamic nation, that recognized Israel as a country. 
So I, that's something I didn't know. I'm glad he pointed that out. But what I'm getting to in this is the involvement of Donald J. Trump as president with the Jewish people and a friend being a friend to the nation of Israel. And again, now he's being impeached. He has been impeached, and he's on trial in the United States Senate. I sat, I sat next to a United States senator uh, a few days ago. He was just about to go into the trial, and I asked him uh, what, what he thought about it. And he said he wasn't sure if he was ready to get locked up, no cell phone, no anything, and can't talk, just got to listen. And it's so, something that's funny and at the same time refreshing, <laughs> refreshing to know that these 100 senators have to be quiet and listen and not talk and not and, and, and not be given speeches on the floor of the Senate. They have to sit there and listen. And what's worse than that, you talk about <laughs> being in a place you don't want to be to have to listen to Adam Schiff hour after hour after hour. We do believe that the Republicans in the United States Senate will not vote to throw Donald Trump out of office. I hope that we will be able to see some things happening with, with what really happened and not listening to the Democratic talking points but i do want you to know this that through it all there's a silver lining that donald j trump i believe is going to be not only acquitted but i believe the people the people and when everything was in doubt sometimes in the american revolution after the american revolution in the time before we had the even the uh, United States Constitution, who they call the father of the American Revolution. And his name was Samuel Adams, the cousin of John Adams. But Samuel Adams said, when in doubt, you can always depend on the people. Well, the Democrats say, no, you can't depend on the voters. We got to get rid of Donald Trump now. We can't depend on the voters. That doesn't sound like a healthy democracy. A healthy democracy is where you depend on the people. Let the voters decide, and we will. And I hope it won't only decide to re-elect Donald J. Trump, but this shenanigans of putting up impeachment, impeaching a president off of a phone call, the Democratic candidate should be punished by the American people in district after district. So this will not happen again should be such a severe blow that no party, Republican or Democrat or any other party, they should be able to look back in history and say we should not impeach over such minor offenses because the Democratic Party of 2020 paid a heavy price for stupidity. The American people are smart, and they know stupidity when they see it. And that's my take on what's going on in the United States Senate as the Democrats lead this impeachment charade. Hey, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. We'll be back next week with another exciting show on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. 
Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen, or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.